I get to be that sparkle, that glitter that just keeps showing up that people are like, man, I thought she was tired. I thought she was giving up on this. I thought, I mean, like the greatest joy in my life is when people come and they're like, are you still doing Ignite Life? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's called glitter. for growth. Y'all have been here with me through crazy technology, terrible video quality, and even worse, audio quality, (laughs) which makes absolutely no sense for a podcast, but I have been working really hard to get the sound together and to bring you a production that you can trust in and not be distracted by. I am grateful, though, that you're still here because the conversations and the content that we talked about has helped to just surpass every other issue that we've had. And your faithfulness today is what I am most grateful for this holiday season. (laughs) I have a little review that comes from Jenny, and she also has a podcast called Pause, Renew, Next. She says, Liv brings joy, energy, and edification to her listeners, and she and her guests lead us toward kingdom living. I'm so grateful for you, Jenny. And if you guys are looking for another podcast, then I definitely recommend hers. Today, we are talking about faithfulness. And I am so excited to introduce you to my guest. It's someone whom I've had the opportunity to work with for years now, and I truly admire her work. Early on, early on, when we were first introduced by our friend Angela Cho, I definitely had a fangirl moment because I received the invitation to have coffee with Vanessa about five, six, almost six years ago now, depending upon when you're listening to this, I suppose. (laughs) And I was really excited because I admired the work and the quality of the work and the commitment that she'd made 
to Christ and what he was doing through the ministry and the women that she brought together. So over the years, we've had the opportunity to grow together and y'all, I can't wait for you to meet her. I don't have a lot to say about faithfulness because the truth is that I always like to tell you what it's not in order to figure out what it is. And especially when I feel as if I struggle with it in some ways. Now, I am faithful in quite a few things. However, I've confused faithfulness with stressed out schedules and people pleasing in the past. And God has had to strip away those definitions so that I can really just clear all that junk out and let him fill it up with what faithfulness is. I don't have a lot to share on this subject because our guest is full of insight and wisdom but as I was reading a book recently, um, a new book that came out just recently by Ruth Cho Simons called When Strivings Cease, I was just captivated by one of the paragraphs. I have to read it to you because I feel that it really truly sums up what faithfulness is. She said, Jesus didn't seek to be a hero. He simply sought to be faithful. Jesus didn't try to steal the show, improve on God's plan of salvation with addendum or flair, or demand honor for the savior he was. At every turn, Jesus wanted only to do what the father purposed for him to do. No more, no less. Even as he faced brutal death on the cross, Jesus revealed his motivation in staying faithful to the work he'd been given. It was not in pursuit of showing himself worthy or becoming his best self. It was to do God's will and not his own. Like he said in Luke twenty-two forty-two, 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It was to glorify God and not himself, like we discovered in John 17, 1, when he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. It was that we might know that everything is from God like we discover in John 17, 7, when he said, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. And just like it was that we might God's love. John 17, 26, I made known your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me, may be in them, and I in them. Hmm. May we say, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. If that doesn't sum up what faithfulness is, then sis, I don't know what does. <laughs> 
I have a guest today, y'all. I've told you about her. And today, Vanessa Hartzell, the founder of Ignite Life, is here with us. Ignite Life is a local ministry here in Las Vegas, and they're doing incredible work for the Lord among women. And I cannot wait for you to get on on this conversation. Vanessa, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. This is like... <laughs> Man, we don't live close. I mean, like we don't live far as I'm sure many of the other people on your on your show has been like across the country. But in Vegas world, we live far, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. So far that I couldn't even figure out a place where we could get together, where it would be quiet enough to have this conversation, meet in the middle. <laughs> so here we are in our homes. Yes. <laughs> but it's better that way. Fewer distractions. And all the things we can lay out on our floor after this conversation if we need to when the Holy Spirit slays us. So it's good. That's right. That's right. Lay out. So I am really excited for everyone to just get to know you and get to know the ministry that you lead. And it's my prayer that some of our listeners will connect with you and ignite life after our time together because it is a blessing. But for right now, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, about the ministry that you serve and what God is up to? Sure. So um, because most of you will probably be listening to this and not seeing this, I got to give you like the full picture. I'm 35 years old. I feel like that's midlife these days. Um, I'm 35 and I'm married to a guy named Evan who dropped a bomb on me this past January when he decided to go into full-time pastoral ministry. Um, we've been in ministry for um, over a decade, but not, we've been in parachurch ministry, not which is ministry that comes alongside the church, um, not church ministry. And so if any, any other pastors, wives, pastors out there, hear me when I say utmost respect, love y'all. Um, you're incredible. I'm also the mom of three kids. Owen is eight, Ethan is six, and Charlotte is three and a half. Um, and she reminds me of that often. So I always say my life is filled with both joy and chaos simultaneously. Um, our house is usually a wreck. It's usually super loud. Um, I sent all the tiny humans away so that we could have this conversation. Um, and for the last almost 11 years, I've led a ministry called Ignite Life, which the best way to describe it is really just a women's ministry for the Las Vegas Valley. Um, and that's been 11 years of equipping and empowering and mobilizing Christian women to be the spark that ignites change in the world for the sake of Christ. And when we think about ministry so often, and, and for good reason, we think of ministry outside the walls of the church, which is necessary, right? We're supposed to go. And so what I realized, though, is so many women weren't going. So many women in the church were comfortable in the church. And so um, about 10 years ago, I was like, this is ridiculous, there's a whole world that has a lot of needs and all the answers are sitting comfortably on the pews of the church. Like we have to get these women mobilized. And so um, just one conference kind of gave birth to a movement of women across the Las Vegas Valley who 
realize that, you know, just because I, I wasn't called as a profession in the church doesn't mean the work I do is a holy and sacred work. Um, and so really changing and reframing the way women think about their calling and how they're walking in it and not saying like, this season's hard, I'll serve God in the next one. Um, so many women saying like, I don't know, I'm not good with kids. Okay, that's fine. Like, There's so many other things you can do. And so my heart and my passion is just to really mobilize women and lean into your natural God-given wiring and personality and allow God to use you in the place that he's planted you for a, a reason for right now. So that's my heart. I mean, I could literally talk about this all day long. I love it. Oh, good. So good. I, I love the fire and the passion that really stirred this uh, message within you because it's something that I'd not considered before, you know, that so many of us were just comfortable. I think I've always been like, a, it's because, you know, it's because you're, not a, you're not a sitter. If you <laughs> but it's yeah. true and so i'm grateful that that god has used you to to just speak into the lives of those that might be intimidated to move forward that might not know where to start and that might be confused about how they can use their job how they can use their homeschool network to really speak into others and honor Christ at the same time. So how would you classify faithfulness? So I have to give you a little bit of a story to get to my answer because I'm a storyteller at heart. I can't help myself, but for a good story. So um, Ignite Life, our ministry, we put on this workshop where we teach women how to share their story. And um, that's another piece, right? That people say, I don't have a story. Friend, if you went from death to life, you have a story, okay? Not the point, but somebody needs to hear it. So um, we help women know what their story is and how to share it. So a part of that, that workshop is identifying an intangible um, characteristic of God and making it tangible. So if I say God is faithful, I like can't put my hands on it. I can't feel it. I can't see it. I can't touch it. So how do I wrap my mind around what the faithfulness of God is? So if we take hope and joy, right? There's so many intangibles of God. If we can attach it to something tangible, then we can recognize it a lot easier. So I had a girl in my class and her word was faithfulness. And I said, okay, go home, do your homework come back. And she came back with the best definition of faithfulness ever. And so as soon as you told me you were talking about faithfulness, I was like, I got to talk about this. So she came back and she said, I was doing a glitter project with my girls. And she's like, we do the glitter project, clean it all up. And the next day I found some more glitter. And then the next day I cleaned that up and I still found some more glitter. And then I found more glitter. And like, it's been months and I just keep finding this glitter at my house. And sometimes I'm in the car. How did the glitter get from my table to the car, right? Like if you've ever done a glitter project, you know that glitter just keeps showing up no matter how many times you try to get rid of it, put it away, you're done with it. Glitter just keeps showing up. And that is like, you will never look at glitter the same way again, Liv. 
ever in your whole life. Ever. And I Never. love glitter. I love using glitter with my second graders. Yes, right? And, but that's, that's the faithfulness of God. And it's like, in order for me to understand what faithfulness in my life looks like, I have to understand the author of faithfulness, which is God. And I look back at my life and I see the glitter all along the timeline going, oh, there's a sparkle there when I was in first grade and such and such happened. And then it showed up again when I was in third grade and then in adulthood. And then, and God's been just pointing out these sparkling spots on my timeline. And it's me saying, God was faithful there and there and there and there. And so now faithfulness in my life is me emulating that which God has done in my life and showing up there and there and there. So faithfulness most of the time in my life looks like showing up in the moment, showing up and being present, showing up, right? So when we think of showing up, it doesn't necessarily mean the hustle of showing up as much as it means like, I'm going to show up in this moment. I'm going to show up for this person. I'm going to show up for my husband because he needs it. I'm going to show up, right? And so um, I get to be that sparkle, that glitter that just keeps showing up. That people are like, man, I thought she was tired. I thought she was giving up on this. I thought, I mean, like the greatest joy in my life is when people come and they're like, are you still doing Ignite Life? I'm like, yeah, dude, that's called glitter, right? Like, I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to keep showing up and keep showing up. And when you think you're sick of me, I'm going to show up again some more. And, and it's in this love and it's in this support and it's in this constant. Like when you think of Vanessa Hartzell, I want you to think of the constant. She's always there. I just can't, I just can't look and her not be active in my life. My goodness, I will never look at glitter the same way. You won't, I promise. I love glitter. Oh my goodness, he's such a good, good God. I, even as I was listening to you talk and you were talking about how you can look back and see that glitter, you can look back and see that faithfulness. I just feel as if I want to ask you, what are some of those memories that you have of his faithfulness that you would, you know, just bring us in some of your favorite memories that have just seen you through and keep you anchored to him? I tell people all the time, like I had no choice, but to be a Jesus follower. I had no choice because God was so present in my life. Like there, I just had no choice. Like I can't unsee the faithfulness that I've seen, right? Like you can't tell me anything except the fact that God is faithful for me to believe it because I just can't unsee the goodness of God over and over again. So I would say like early, like earliest memory would be that I grew up in a pastor's home, more of like a missionary pastor's home than like traditional pastor's home. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it does in my, in my life. Um, and so we raised all of our own financial support. Uh, my family did. We weren't on staff at a church. We were, 
a, a pastor that was available for churches as they were in transition. We called it the bleeding church. My dad's job was to go in and to like stop the bleeding and prepare them for the next pastor to come in and to love them and shepherd them well. So we bounced right all around. We had like a home base church that we like found home, but I mean, we were all over the state of Michigan, inner city, Detroit was like our hub. Um, and so we raised all our own financial support. And so, I mean, I thought it was normal that people got groceries delivered to their house and there was no like Instacart then, right? Like <laughs> this was like, normal now. <laughs> yeah, no, like people were bringing like food baskets, like the local food pantry was bringing food baskets to my house for dinner. And I'm like, this is what community looks like. This is what, this is what real life looks like. Right. And it wasn't until later, but I, that I started to realize, right. But my parents invited me and parents, if you listen to this, it's that your faith can't be your child's faith. It can't, they're two different things, but your faith oftentimes dictates what your children believe is possible when it comes to their faith. So I remember we would have bills and I mean, not all the time, but occasionally we would have like a family meeting and we'd have some bills and be $422. My dad would put it on the table and he'd say, we're asking God to give us $422 because we're his. We've given our lives to him. We've gone, gone all in and we need God to pay this bill. And we'd pray as a family. And, and oftentimes I think parents are afraid to let their kids into those moments because of a lack of security let them see the faithfulness of their God. Because I remember when the money randomly showed up, the reimbursement for a random, what, you know, whatever God did to do it. And my dad would say, look at that $422. That's a faithful God, right? So those are like earliest memories of me knowing my God was faithful. When I was eight, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer um, that was, it's called mycosis fungoides. It was found in African-American men over the age of 50. And if you're listening, I'm a white girl. Like I, I was eight and a white girl. And this was so far from even possible. <laughs> for sure, right? for sure. Although you did literally make me laugh when you said, if you're listening, I'm a white girl. I'm like, you can't do that. Um, like this is so far, right? So far off of a diagnosis. And um, my dad and my mom, they sent out these prayer cards with my picture on it. I was in the third grade and they, they sent it out all over the country, um, to churches saying, Hey, you need to pray for our daughter. Cause we believe God wants to work a miracle because at that time there was, um, like it didn't happen. And, and girls that looked like me and were my age. And so there was no treatment plan. There was no, there was nothing. And so it was going to just be a bunch of guinea pig stuff. And so they sent out these prayer cards and people just start praying. I mean, mailbags would get delivered to my house from like a Christian preschool of kids writing to a kid, right? Like feel better soon. God loves you. Like all this stuff. Now, no, they were not sending it to the unbeliever. Their faithfulness was to the believer saying we're coming alongside you and asking God for the same things that you're asking God for. And 
every whatever, every once a week or so, my family would gather around me in the living room and they'd pray, Jesus, we believe that you can heal Vanessa. It was just simple prayers. It wasn't like I wasn't on the floor shaking. Like there was nothing, you know, it was just this, like, Jesus, we believe that you can heal Vanessa. So will you do it? You know, and we would pray that same prayer over and over and over again. And we were being sent to the national specialist of this type of cancer, which only God would put in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we lived in Detroit, like totally doable, right? Um, so we, the night before, my family all gathers around me. They're praying over me. You know, tomorrow we see the specialist and all this stuff. And I went to go put my pajamas on. And the cancer I had showed itself up in like these lesions on my stomach and my torso. Um, and I went to put my pajamas on and all of the spots were completely gone. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Right. My mom's screaming. My dad, like my dad's like, well, we have to still go. We still have to go to the specialist. We still have to go to the specialist. We go to the specialist and they're like, well, your daughter's cholesterol is a little bit high. That's all we got for you. There's nothing. There's not a trace of anything in her body, right? So I saw the faithfulness of God, but what I also saw was a touch of obedience, like my dad's obedience to do the crazy. Like imagine your kid getting sick and you say, we're going to send out prayer cards across the country, inviting thousands of people and churches to pray over my kid. Like I'm a mom. I just, I mean, I would be like, okay, Vanessa, you're a little overdramatic. That's what I, right? Like, I know this is important to you, but like, that's a little overdramatic. But my dad faithfully and obediently did that. And what, what you can't even imagine is on the other side of obedience is the fullness of life, right? On the other side of obedience is complete fullness of life. So I get freed of that. I get healed of that. Well, all these people have been praying across the country for this, this disease to, to be healed, gone. And it happens. So then they reach out and they say, you and your daughter have got to come and tell your story to our church. So my dad and I start traveling and speaking together telling of the testimony of what God did in our family and in our lives. And now to this day, I'm a public speaker. That's what I did. That's what I do. So out of the pain, obedience, even in a place of pain, faithfulness, even in a place of pain, God is saying on the other side of that obedience is the fullness of life for you. And that doesn't necessarily mean healing. It did in my case, but the fullness of life means like the plan comes full circle. On the other side of obedience, the plan starts to come full circle. And so, you know, the Bible says that God has this, this plan to prosper you. That plan only comes on the other side of your faithful obedience. You don't get access to the plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. If you want that, faithfulness and obedience comes first. So we like to say that verse and say like, 
God says he's got a plan to keep me and protect me and, and prosper me and not to harm me, right? And we're claiming it and we're walking in complete disobedience. And then we're like, what happened to that plan? You don't get it. You don't get that plan without the obedience. And so, I mean, I'm sure I can give you 75 other examples of where my disobedience has detoured the plan, right? Because I don't think God's a God that says, you disobeyed, you're sunk, right? You just like, we're never too far from redemption. That's the beauty of the gospel, like never too far from redemption. So the plan may still unfold if I can detour, humble myself. God gives grace, but it says that he opposes the proud. So when I humble myself, I can get back on to that plan not to harm and prosper and all of that. And so I think I look back and I'm like, oh, the same God who put groceries sparkle on my porch was the same God who met me in cancer at the age of eight sparkle. There it is. It's the same God who had this plan for my future. Um, I was diagnosed again with cancer when I was 24, same kind, same thing, different journey. Cause I was an adult. Um, but miraculous healing, um, the goodness of God and, and God always like, I mean, don't, don't let this make you think that I'm like, don't worry, God's got me. And he does like, I mean, there's a whole process, I could, right? The whole process in there, but it's because I've seen God's faithfulness throughout my timeline over and over and over again, that when this huge thing is sitting in front of me, my natural, my now spiritual, natural inkling is to go, okay, God, what, what are you going to do? It's not to say I'm about to get swallowed up by the seas. No, it's never swallowed me like ever in my whole life. I've been up, up I mean, our house burnt down when I was a, a senior in high school to the ground, we lost everything. It was all sparkles. It was just God's faithfulness showing up through community, people at my door. I mean, like, I, I can tell you, I've seen too much of the faithfulness of God for me to now look and say, oh, God's going to stop being faithful now. Mm, it's a whole word. And you are preaching this is why I am so grateful <laughs> that we're not in public. If I may need to just go and lay it on this carpet for sure. I mean, my goodness, some of these stories I've not ever heard. So I'm hearing them for the first time, just like you all. And they are blessing my life. The fullness of life is on the other side of faithfulness. Mm. What were some of those first steps of faithfulness he called you to? Was it the speaking with your dad? Was that intimidating at all at the beginning? Or was it even something that may have been a little deeper, a little quieter, a little less noticeable from others? You know, we've been on um, at different events together for young ladies. And there was an Ignite Life event that you hosted for teen girls called Refresher Girls that you shared a testimony just about how he moved on you in your teenage years and how that blessed your marriage. I was like, 
even as an adult, I was like, wow, that's good. That, that is good. So how has he, or how did he call you to faithfulness in those early years? Yeah, I think some acts of faithfulness are loud. They're bold. They're declarative. I um, was 24, quit my job, mid-cancer diagnosis to start ministry, right? That was a big, bold, loud, God, you are faithful, right? And everybody now knows that I'm crazy enough to believe it right? Because I no longer have a paycheck or a job. So, right. It was, it was a big, bold move to do that. Um, you know, the act, the, the faithfulness that, that you mentioned of in my teenage years, um, I was given a ring and was told that, you know, this ring is just a sign of a commitment that you have to God to keep yourself. And it wasn't, for, for your marriage. And it wasn't, I don't think a part of like the purity movement. We hear a lot about the purity movement. And I was, I was definitely alive and in the youth group during that time. Like I was definitely a part of that, but I think the emphasis wasn't put so much on like, don't have sex. I don't think that was the emphasis. I think the emphasis was like, start praying for your husband. Like there's a person on the other side of this act of obedience, of this faithfulness in your life. There's a person there. And when we think about it, every act of faithfulness that we, there's always a person on the other side of it, right? And, and in our selfishness and in our pride, and in our, we think it's all about us. Well, I'm going to do this because I'm going to do it. Right. And the reality was like, it was all about this other person. So along with this ring that I was given, I also got a journal and it was called a wait for me journal. They don't make them anymore, but you can get a piece of paper with some lines on it. Same thing. That's all it was. It was just bound um, with intention. Right. And marketed. And marketed very well. <laughs> um, and it was called the wait for me journal. And it just gave some prompts. And I started writing in that journal to my husband when I was 16 years old. It was quiet. Nobody knew I did it. Nobody knew I had it. Like my mom gave it to me. So she knew I had it. But I mean, it went with me to high school. It went with me to my college dorm. It moved across the country with me to Las Vegas. And it wasn't like every night I was like writing love notes, right? To my husband, it was like something profound would happen in my life. And I'd be like, dang it, why aren't you here right now? And I would write him and be like, why aren't you here right now? Because this would be easier if you were here right now, right? Or, you know, a tragedy would, a loss would happen. And I would, I would include my husband in that loss. Um, or I'd be feeling all the feels, you know, and I would include him in that. And so, I started writing in this journal and he didn't know I had it. Um, and then on our wedding day, his mom presented him with that journal before our wedding. Um, and, you know, it was love notes from a 16 year old girl up until I was 25. So, you know, lots of years of just writing in that journal. And, um, you know, I, I think that those are those quiet acts of like, but they, they root you, they anchor you. 
um, instead of the big and the flashy ones, because the big and the flashy ones, if you don't carry it out, all that comes with it is embarrassment. You know, like, had I not, had I not actually done, like, if I quit my job and then I was like, wow, this is a super big mistake. I shouldn't have done that kind of a job back, right? Like, that's embarrassing. But the quiet ones, when you let them go, they feel like failure. Like they are, because there's conviction in them, they are quiet. There was something in your soul that was moved to do it. Um, you can't just throw it out there, you know? And so um, it was it was simply a faithful act between me and Jesus. I mean, even though it was between me and my husband, like it was between me and Jesus. And it became something that, um, I mean, I would recommend that it, as you are, looking for faithfulness and cultivating that in your life that you you have to tie the movement of your soul down somewhere as opposed to just letting it be a feeling right because I think sometimes we mistake well what was a feeling and what was a movement of God and I'm not saying I always get it right because those are two they're they're interrelated a lot of times but feelings you know we don't always act on praise God we don't always act on our feelings because I don't know about you, but sometimes my feelings are wrong, straight up wrong, sinful, evil death, right? Like don't do them. But movements of your soul are from God and they usually require an act. And so like, what can I do to just anchor my soul down in this thing that God has called me to because if I do it, the fullness of life is on the other side. So, I mean, am I going to say I have a perfect marriage right now? No, but I will tell you that we started off healthy. And I know so many people who just didn't, they didn't give themselves the opportunity to even start out healthy, right? We, from this point on, any unhealth, that's something we did together, right? We're we, we at least got to start off healthy because God said, hey, you put me here. And it wasn't just, hey, we're not going to have sex. That wasn't it. There was a whole thing. There was boundaries. There was a journal. That was the romantic cute part. There were boundaries. There was, we we're grown adults, 24, 25 years old. And at, at 930, he had to leave my apartment. He wasn't allowed to stay. Didn't matter if it was the weekend, didn't matter if we were in the middle of a movie, didn't matter, like, at 9.30, you got to go home. And we had alarms set on our phone, it said 9.30. Um, my husband came up with this rule that I wasn't too pleased with, that we weren't going to kiss each other. I didn't like that rule at all. Um, but he had this, he was like, Vanessa, this has to be a boundary for me, because it's an on-ramp to everything else. So if you've made a commitment to God that we're not going to go down that road. I can't go down this road. Um, and so just putting up boundaries for ourselves to help us walk in faithfulness. Like if you know your biggest downfall in life is Cheetos, stop buying them, right? If you know that you can't drive down this street without spending $200 at Target, stop driving down that street. If you know that kissing your boyfriend is going to lead to sexual immorality, then stop 
kissing your boyfriend, right? Like it sounds so bold, but those are, those are acts of the faithful. Those are people who take seriously the things that God has called them to. Right. And then, and then the, the reverse, like when God says, like, you need to start a blog, like you, you should probably just pick up a pen that's going to lead you closer to starting a blog, right? Like if God says that you should do this thing, you probably should start taking a class or mention it to someone or get a mentor. Like there's other things that we should do that we ought to do. Um, some of the things that we did were we, we had on Sunday nights, we had dinner with my um, husband's family before we were married, when we were dating, engaged, and so we had it, we had a 30 minute drive home from his parents' house. And so we had it scheduled that on that drive home, we would have a relationship check-in. And it was like, how are we doing on these boundaries? Because just to make them wasn't enough, right? In order to keep them, we had to revisit them and say like, oh, you know how we said we weren't going to? whatever. You know how we said you weren't going to stay over till 9.30? Well, last week you you stayed over till 10.30. But if we don't talk about it, then all of a sudden the standard just starts to bend and our faithfulness just starts to bend. And pretty soon we're like, why is it midnight and you're still at my house? Well, that's because you've been here at 9, 10, 10, 30, 11, 11, 30. Right. And it's just the slow fade of our faithfulness and our obedience and we're jipping ourselves to the fullness of life on the other side. My goodness, we have to stop. We have to pause. <laughs> we have to pause. Let's talk about this slow fade of our faithfulness. And I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but I kind of am, right? So growing up, like you either went to church every week or you didn't. That's it. And now when we plan for our church culture, we plan for people to go to church one, maybe two times a month. Like that's a slow fade of faithfulness because you have to start looking at what excuse was more important than me gathering with the saints. Like what what was it? I mean, I'll be the first to admit, like my kids puke and I can't go to church. Like, yeah, that's real life. Like I stayed out too late, so I can't go to church. That's a flow, slow fate of faithfulness. That's just you not keeping your boundaries set so that you can walk in obedience to what God called you to. God's called everyone to gather with the saints, everybody. So I, I don't have to read my Bible and pray and ask God if that's a call on my life. If you're a Jesus follower, you were called to gather regularly with the saints. And so, but it's those, you know, those indirect things are like, well, it was homecoming weekend. Well, we had basketball practice. Well, we really like our couch and pancakes on Sunday morning. Well, shame on you. Eat them on Saturday because that is a slow fade of your faithfulness. And then we're like, I don't really get a lot out of it. I don't really get a lot out of church. I don't really, right? Like, I don't really know people there. It's all tied to your faithfulness. And sometimes you just got to show up. And I think that's the faithfulness. It's that glitter. Like, it just keeps showing up. And when you say you're going to walk in something, walk in it. Yeah. 
all the way. How do we bring it back? How do you reignite that flame? How is it beginning to show up? Is it calling someone, you know, as an accountability partner? What would you recommend to that one that's listening right now and it's like, I hear you. I'm used to brunch with my girls on Sunday now, though. What would you say to that one that she just doesn't know how to get it back? That her prayer life, which used to be on fire, has just fizzled out. I mean, I've always had those moments where I'm like, man, I just really want to sleep in. You know, like, I mean, everybody's got those moments, right? Where you're like, oh, it'd be so much easier not to go to church, to small group, to Bible study, to, you know, whatever, whatever gathering it is that you're like, ah, do I really got to go tonight? You know, this morning, whatever. Um, But I've never been disappointed once I've gotten there. It's just not really ever happened to where I'm like, man, I really wish I would have stayed in bed 15 more minutes instead of coming to worship Jesus. Like it just doesn't happen. And I do understand the the reprioritizing. Here's the thing. We start to not miss things once they're gone. So um, silly example about six years ago, I found out I couldn't eat gluten. It was the worst. It was literally the worst days of my life. And we joke like no more donuts and no more cake and no more. Right. But like, there was no more anything. Like I couldn't eat anything. Right. And, um, I had gotten really sick, so I couldn't eat. It was an elimination diet. Like I couldn't eat raw vegetables or, or gluten or beans, or, I mean, there were so many things I could not eat. It was terrible until we could figure out what my body would take. Right. But now I'm six years past gluten. I don't miss gluten. I don't miss it at all. Like, in fact, I feel better because my body actually didn't want gluten in it. And so like, I've forgotten about it. I'm not like crying when I see people eat donuts in front of me, like, because I'm like, no, that will actually not do what my body needs. And I think that it's it's literally making a choice and then walking in it long enough for you to realize like, that's good. It's not bad. Brunch with your girls on Sunday, not bad. Like, I love that. Find another time. Pick another spot. Do it at a different day. Like, because it's not blocked off on your calendar, you're, you're going to see it as an open spot. Like, I can't tell you how, for how long I didn't put church on my calendar because I just knew that's what I did on Sundays. Like, that's just what I do. It literally never was on my calendar. And I started putting church on my calendar. And now it's like, when you ask me like, Hey, what are you doing on Sunday? I like, or on the 22nd or whatever. And I don't know what's a Sunday. I look and I'm like, Oh, I have church. I like it's blocked. It's an appointment. It's there. And, but I think we, we, I mean, the hard thing is you just got to stop doing what you're doing and start doing something else, which is like the worst. That's like the worst advice ever live. I mean, like really like, because the reality is like, how, how bad do you want it? You won't, you won't miss church when you're out of it long enough. You won't. That's so true. And it's not bad advice at all. You're absolutely right about sometimes it's hard getting there, but when you get there, you never regret.
regret it. You never regret it. And the way that it helps to set the tone, not only for your day, but for your overall soul and the health of your inner being will bless your life. So, but, but if you don't, if you don't go week after week, after week, after week, your soul will stop missing church. Yes, it will. It will just numb that part out. And, and I think that's what happened to us during the actual COVID quarantine time when church wasn't an option that we numbed out that part. Like we just didn't even remember how good it was. Like we didn't remember that it was good for someone to see us. But then like, I know, I mean, I ran into a guy at Starbucks the other day and I was like, dude, where are you going to church now? And he's like, I never went back. And I'm like, what? Because this guy's like the church, you know? And he's like, I'll be honest. I listen to like 35 sermons a day and I, on Sundays or whatever. And I was like, I bet you do. But sermons are important, but they're not the point. Sermons don't pray for you. Sermons don't hug you. Sermons don't see you. Sermons don't serve you. Sermons don't require you to serve. I mean, there's so many pieces, right? That it, you cannot replace community and that that faithfulness of you showing up, it's so much more than a booty and a seat. It's so much more than your attendance. It's your actual spiritual growth. And let's not forget, it's not all about you. Your church needs you. That's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And you know, the truth is that Holy Spirit can't speak to you. You can turn on a sermon and hear exactly what you need to hear. But there are things that Holy Spirit will hide from your leaders until you reveal it in relationship. And that is biblical. When the Shunammite woman went to Elisha because her son had passed and Gehazi tried to hold her off, Elisha told him, let her pass. The Lord has hidden this from me. And so there are some things that we have to get in relationship. And the word tells us not to stop meeting together. So that is good. Oh, I love this conversation. It's taken a completely different Sorry. <laughs> than I expected it to, but that is always confirmation that Holy Spirit is with us and that he's leading it. So I'm here for this and sis, I don't know who you are, but it's time. It's time to go back. And when you go back, you know what you need to do? You need to take a picture, a little selfie, and tag Vanessa and I so that we can just pray for you and cheer you on. I would like to know, uh, really, whose faithfulness in the scriptures helped to inspire and challenge you in this area? I think that probably not someone you would expect um, is Esther. I think Esther was called to obedience, to walk it out in so many ways that were like, it's easy to read Esther's story and be like, and then she did this and then she did that. And then, but like doors were flying open for her that were I mean, the favor of God was on her and leading her, but we're also like scary. 
We're also, you know, like I'm the least qualified. Esther was the least qualified to even step foot near, right? <laughs> like the king. She was the least qualified to even enter into the contest to be chosen. Like, you know, it was amazing that she was chosen, but like she wasn't even qualified to be in the list. Like she was unqualified for so much. She was living with her uncle, like she's a totally different nationality. Like there's all these things that are just stacked up against her, but because God opens the door, she faithfully walks through it. And as she continues to walk further and further and faithfulness and hiding the things that needed to be hidden and saying the things that need to be said, um, having, I think along with that faithfulness comes discernment, right? Like the longer you walk with Jesus, the more faithful you are in your walk with Jesus, the more you can discern his movement and his voice. So you can't really have one without the other. If I'm not faithful, I cannot discern the voice of God because it's from my faithfulness that I learn the promptings and the movement and the voice of God. And so it's out of her faithfulness that now she can discern, keep your mouth shut, open your mouth. Like Jesus, I'm walking with you just for that. Teach me when to open my mouth and when to close my mouth, right? Until she's finally brought into this position that God says, this is it. This was the reason why I put all those promptings in your heart. And you get to watch the fullness of this plan play out where your people are freed to have the fullness of life because of your faithfulness. And on the other side of your faithfulness is the fullness of life for other people. And so I think for me, it's Esther and just knowing that like God opened God's leading, God's moving. And so I'm just going to stay on the coattails of Jesus and let him usher me into the places that he has for me. Like Esther couldn't have come up with that plan. Like there's no way. And so I think, you know, just her submission to God and trusting that God knows exactly where he's leading you. Um, but I think sometimes we just want the, the cake at the end without the process of baking the cake, you know? And um, says the gluten-free girl. Um, but I think it's the, like our, our culture is so immediate, instant gratification, we can get it fast. Uh, stardom comes fast, celebrity comes fast, influence comes fast, but righteousness is the slowest thing that is produced in our lives. And righteousness is the slow, the faithful, the steadfast, the constant, the consistent. There's nothing beautiful about faithfulness. It is when it's played out and we can see the whole picture, right? And we see the beginning at the end at the same time. But the process itself is not glamorous. The like we all applaud the person who's lost 75 pounds at the end of their journey. We weren't there when their alarm went off every morning and they had to get out of bed at sunrise to go work out and make the choice not to eat the thing. And right, it's not glamorous, it's tedious. It's choosing over and over again, I'm just gonna follow Jesus. I'm just gonna follow Jesus. That's all I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna follow Jesus in that. I don't know. 
people, I, when I quit my job, everybody's like, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I don't know. I know that I was called to quit my job. And I'm working on this because this is the thing God's given me. You know, it's one step at a time and that we don't have to build it before we fly it. Like you, you can build it and fly it at the same time, you know? And so I think it's, um, it's just this slow, it's in the mundane that God builds our righteousness through our faithfulness, but we only know what faithfulness looks like because it's a reflection of who he has been in our life. Right. Absolutely. That slow burn is so good for us, you know, and our culture is obsessed with, you know, the overnight success, even in the church. But what I found is that there are no overnight successes, especially when it comes to God's kingdom. If we are going to maintain those places that he's brought us into. And what I've been astounded by from our conversations, from other conversations that I've had the honor to have on this podcast is just how faithful, not only you've been, but God has been in those mundane things you know you have some amazing things going on right now and from anyone looking in it would be like wow hmm, cool ignite life yeah i mean you guys what just started last year <laughs> now we've been doing crave for <laughs> so like going into year 11 yeah, <laughs> God, because this is not, this was not written in our strategic plan for the year. This was not a part of our budget. This was not a part, right? Like we do all those um, stewardship minded things to plan. And then sometimes God's like scoot over, right? And that's what he did in 2021. Um, And so we have had this thing called Crave going on for about seven years. But this year, because God said so, it blew up. Um, so Crave has always been something that met in people's homes. And obviously COVID put an end to that because God wanted to do something totally different with it. So we call it Crave. It's a gathering because it's everything your soul craves. It's Jesus, girlfriends, coffee, repeat um, over and over again. And so we meet monthly around the Valley. We have six different locations launching in January um, north, south, east, west. I mean, like they're all over the place. You'll have to go to our website and find a spot and a day. There's morning ones, there's night ones, there's weekend ones. Uh, but essentially what you do is you gather around a table with people that you may not know, um, which is good for your soul, um, different ages and stages of women. Um, you get to enjoy dessert and coffee together and just life on life, um, for a bit. And then we have a live speaker 
And then that's followed up with table discussion questions. And I will tell you, I know you didn't ask, Liv, but I will tell you that the thing that I believe is transforming through this crave um, gathering that we have is that so, and I'm not dissing the church. I told you, I'm married to a pastor. I love, I love the church. I love the church. Um, is that we hear these, we become such information junkies. Like that's, that's what's quote unquote wrong is that we've become information junkies. So we go to church to get more information about the Bible and about God and about what's going on. But that's not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is to digest it and allow it to transform you. And so I think what's been incredible about these crave gatherings is that the word is presented and it is this much of this long of a gathering, right? Like it's a small portion of the gathering is that you hear the word, but then you put feet on it and you're like, now if I want to faithfully walk out peace, we just did a thing on peace. Like, I don't just need to hear a good story about peace and learn what the Bible says about peace. I needed to have a conversation about how is peace actually going to transform my life? What am I going to do different? Who am I calling into this area of my life? What have been obstacles in the past? What, what am I doing to safeguard this um, and people to walk with you? And so um, that's what we do every single month. And um, so that's going on. And then in February, February 12th, we have one of my favorite events called She Speaks Truth, where we find is the best way to say it. We find local women who have incredible stories and we kind of come alongside them and give them some coaching if they need it. Um, and really give them a platform. Women who would have never really had a platform, get a platform to speak truth in the lives of their peers. And so it's been neat. We've been able to mobilize some of the women who have been rescued from sex trafficking industry through refuge for women. We've been able to teach them how to share their stories. And then they get on a platform. Like these women would have never been invited on a platform. Right. And, but God has created a platform for them to stand and share their story. And so that's coming up February 12th. We do two day conferences and one day conferences. And I mean, all the things we, somebody asked me, I think we have about 67 events on the calendar for the first half of 2022. So God is moving, um, but he has made it evident and clear that connection and having a, um, a place to belong is something that is deep rooted inside of us. And so um, also believing that, that what, we need is maybe a little less proclamation and a little more conversation, right? That not just proclaiming the good news, that's important. The Bible calls us to it. But at some point, our, our generation has said, I don't want to be proclaimed at. I just want to have a conversation with you. And so, you know, we, the church, get to figure out how to sit down and have conversations without preaching at people. So it's been a really great, incredible year. We would love to have you guys join us. Now I will put all of the links below, um, but I do want to know one, where can they find you on social media, especially for those that are listening. And then as you guys know, you can just go into the show notes and click 
there. Um, but the other thing I want to know is I know you have a very um, really robust blog, but is are any of these events being offered virtually or any of those things? Um, I believe in 2022, they are not being offered virtually. And to me, that is like the best news I've ever heard in my life. Um, one of the things that we took a look at was that we do in-person events really well. Um, and I say that with, with a lot of humility, that is, that is what God has called us to and going virtually with our events, we were just losing so much of that, like extra care that went into them. And so they will not be offered virtually. They'll only be in person. Um, we do have a blog that comes out every Sunday and we love to highlight local women who have a gift of writing. So you'll see that, um, Ignite Life is serving, about 400 women a month um, through these local gatherings. We have 65 women serving on our team. Um, and I have an admin assistant and her and I are the only paid staff. And what I want you to see through that is that like when we allow people to walk in their giftings, it doesn't feel like work. Women love to use their gifts. And so if you have a gift in blogging and writing and you want to make a guest appearance once a month or once a six months or whatever on a blog, like reach out, let us know you have a gift in writing. Let us plug you in and give you a platform to use it. Well, I definitely have some writer friends that I know are listening. So, hey, y'all, hey, <laughs> go on and check in with Ignite Life LV. And, you know, I appreciate your transparency and your candor, even with that last question, because I think it lines all of this up perfectly. Y'all be faithful, be faithful to the thing he called you to be faithful to. Don't try to go out here being everybody else, trying to act like everybody else. And so I appreciate that you even said, you know what, we do really good in-person events. And because I think it takes such humility and faithfulness to say that and to say we're not going to overreach. We're not going to stretch into an area that God has not called us to. So I appreciate that tremendously. What are your socials? And oh, <laughs> oh, you can follow me personally. It's V Hartzell, H-A-R-T-S-E-L-L. Um, and you can keep up with all the crazy that is the Hartzell family. That's what that, um, it's a lot of just where God's moving in our, our household, our family. We do a lot of really crazy adventures as a family. We don't stay put long. So um it's just fun if you want to follow our family or um, the ministry is um, Ignite Life LV. All right. All right. So y'all come out, come out. And if you're not in Las Vegas, join in with the blog and hey, schedule a trip out here because we need to meet anyway. And I will meet you at one of these events. If you say you're coming in town, just let me know. Um, I have asked everybody this. I have to ask you, what's the hardest part of the fruit of the spirit? Where do you feel most challenged? Is it patience? Is it gentleness? Is it self-control? Where is it? It's for sure gentleness. If I don't know, I don't know if y'all like love or hate or believe in or not the Enneagram, but I'm a seven on the Enneagram and a seven wing eight which means that I am like all smiles and all, you know, fun and adventure. And then I slap into my like bold leader hat with my eight 
And um, I like it, it shows up, especially with my family. I feel like um, just my gentleness. I lack all sorts of compassion that I'm <laughs> I'm aware of it. I'm growing in it. I'm asking Jesus for it. My empathy is just so low um, and I'm aware of it. So I'm working on it. But people are like, you know, whining about something. And I'm like, change it. Just stop doing it, you know. And so I'm working. I'm working on it. So I would say gentleness. I'm laughing. Y'all can't hear me. I'm trying to hold it in um, and not just crack up because everybody, <laughs> every guest <laughs> has said that is their struggle. And, and gentleness is next. <laughs> it might just be a prayer session. It might literally just be like, God, we don't know. We need help. <laughs> Apparently, it's like a podcaster, public speaker thing. Oh my goodness! Right? We're all just yeah. like we're we're movers and shakers. So we're like, if it hurts, stop doing it. Done. Yeah. I will say, I'm reading a book that I did. I really am enjoying. It's called A Gentle Answer. Um, it's a best-selling book um, that Zondervan published, and that I actually got connected to through the Gospel Coalition. So I'm really enjoying it. Um, but that's all I got for y'all on that, because I'm also in the struggle. <laughs> Next week, we might we might just be praying. Um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thank you for your time, Vanessa. Would you pray for us as we prepare to leave this space? Yes, absolutely. God, you are good, and you've proven it over and over and over again. And even in our pain points, God, you have been faithful to be with us even there. And so, God, it's in response to your faithfulness in our lives, God, that we commit to you, God, that we want to walk out faithful lives. We want to be the people who just keep showing up for people. We want to be the people that when we say yes, we mean it, and we're going to do it. God, we want to be the people who when we say we're going to leave something alone, that we don't go back for it later, God. Would you give us just supernatural strength to walk in this um, subtle call that you've put on our lives, God, a subtle call to remain steadfast and on the path that you've laid before us. And God, we believe that when we walk in that faithfulness, God, that you have the fullness of life on the other side waiting for us. God, I pray for the woman who is listening, who thinks that it feels so far away, that things are hard, they're overwhelming. God, would you encounter her even now? God, would you make yourself... Um, just very present in her life. God, would you show her the next right step? Just one. Give her the next right step so that she can walk in obedience and faithfulness with you, Jesus. Thank you for live. God, we pray a blessing over um, this podcast, over this ministry, over Liv's marriage and her life. God, thank you for her faithfulness and showing up for women, God. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. <sighs> Wasn't that episode good? If you thought that any part of it touched your heart, I'd like to invite you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It would be such an honor to know what it is that touched your heart. Now, if you're looking for additional content, please 
Look no further. You can find me on YouTube at Live Dooley and Instagram at Candid Live. I cannot wait to the next time we get together. Until then, know that you are loved. Thank you.